Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We drink tequila. We talk. Welcome to Team Tequila Talks. Talks. So shitty wedding margarita episode. You have your shitty wedding margarita on standby. I have it right here in my fancy cup. Fantastic. Okay, so let's kick things off. Cheers. Cheers. Look at your fancy glass. Uh, You know, I'm bougie. Yeah, I almost got a fancy glass, but then I thought if we're talking about shitty wedding margaritas, I better keep it standard. I just want to feel good about myself, you know? <laughs> I, want, I want to feel good about it. I want to feel good that, you know, what I'm drinking is going to be pretty going down. It actually is pretty. I hear yours, you. is, yours is more pink than mine. Should I, do I, should I add more Chambord? You should, yes. So, Cassandra Gina Mel here and Sherryon Gonzalez welcoming you to another episode of Team Tequila Talks. And we have an episode all about open bars. Sherry is pouring some Chambord right now. How many times have you gone to a wedding and they say open bar and almost every time you go, fuck yeah, open bar, awesome, can't wait. And then you get to the open bar and they don't have your drink. It is like, I don't know, it's like a just like it's like a letdown, but you know what's gonna happen because if anything yeah. weddings are expensive and open bars, a good top shelf open bar is probably more than the wedding. If you have four hundred so people Yeah, four hundred people coming, you're not gonna be able to afford nineteen forty two Casa Amigos. No, that's like a fifteen thousand dollar bar. I think I think a two hundred person wedding dealing with kind of a not well, not top shelf, somewhere like call it premium, somewhere in the middle. It's probably like five grand. It's you expensive. Do it by the head. You do it by the head. My great aunt Josie doesn't drink. They don't care. It's by yeah. the head. It's they by know the head. That your that your cousin Billy is going to drink enough for two of them, right? And and Aunt Bertha, Aunt Bertha has yeah. a lot to drink. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a letdown, and you know why? I think this drink is so great because it doesn't let you down, and you're going to be able to party on this because tequila is a party situation. But it tastes good, and I think. That's important when you're sipping on shitting anything, especially tequila. It needs to taste good. So I was just at another wedding last weekend, and I told you this, but I'm going to tell everybody else now, too. I go to this wedding, and they actually have a very nice bar. They have Don Julio. They have Casamigos, and I was pretty impressed. But the other thing about open bars is that You get up there and they're trying to move people quick, right? Because everybody's in line for those free drinks. And you don't want to hold up the line, but you also don't know where to start. But you booked a nanny for the weekend. So you're down to party and you want to have something celebratory because you're celebrating friends and family getting married. So you don't want to just go up and go, I guess I'll have the Chardonnay. I don't drink Chardonnay, but it's white wine and it's close enough. You don't want to do that. You want something fun. And so you want something that is pretty or looks fun and presentable. You want something that's not difficult, that's quick, that's going to move through the line, that's not going to hold up all the people behind you and enter the shitty wedding margarita, or as the case may be for this wedding that I was at last weekend, the not-so-shitty margarita. And the bride made a point of coming up to me and saying, I saw your shitty wedding margarita reel, (laughs) and I specifically made sure 
that we had upgraded the bar to include Casamigos, Casamigos or Bust, and the equivalent. So there were options. So it was a not so shitty margarita, but more or less, I did the same thing. I said, I want Casamigos, Chambord, lime, no sweet and sour, no sugar, no added anything, shaken in a shaker with ice poured over the rocks. So I mean, it sounds simple. Yeah, it's so simple that it's almost criminal that this just isn't a standard wedding cocktail called shitty wedding margarita. It should be standard because it's so yummy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that's that's kind of the point. We have Whitney Vasquez of Radar Online joining us. We were just hello guys. Introduction to our shitty wedding margarita. Do you have a story, Whitney? about an open bar at, I say weddings, but it could be anything. It could be like, uh, like a, and I guess you wouldn't do it at a bar mitzvah because you're under drinking age, but I'm just uh, thinking like any celebratory, maybe someone else's, there's probably an open bar for the adults, right? Um, any, have you been to any event where you have had a, an open bar situation and they've only got Chardonnay and you're a white wine drinker or something like that? And you don't like Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. I've been to many events where I get disappointed once I go to the bar and they're like, hey, you don't have to pay any money. And then it's everything that I don't want to drink. Well, and that's the thing, too. I remember going to a wedding and they had no tequila and they only had Chardonnay and Merlot, which are the two wines that are on my no fly list. And then I said, all right, I guess we're going to my next choice, whiskey. And they said, we've only got scotch. And I think it was like a Glenlivet 40 year. I don't know exactly what it was. So I was just drinking scotch neat for the whole wedding. So you were, you were basically on the floor at the end of the night. I mean, I think I did okay, but it felt pretty (laughs) heavy at the time. Well, you you were a fun wedding date. That sounds like a fun wedding date into the night type of run. I do. (laughs) I'm always a fun wedding date. I feel like I shine at weddings. Well, you definitely shine with this. Yeah, I haven't been to either of your weddings because I think, didn't we all kind of elope? Yeah. Guilty as charged. Yes. I think all of us. Okay. I don't know if the technical term of eloping, we're going to come back to the wedding margarita, by the way. Yes. Yes. Just on the topic of weddings. And so here we are. Yeah. But I think to elope, it has to be a secret. And mine wasn't a secret. How about you guys? Oh, no, I can't. Mine was, well, everyone knew we were engaged for so long, like for a year. And I think they knew we were trying to plan a wedding. And then we just told them, hey, we're out. We're just going to go to the courthouse and get this done. Gotcha. See, mine's kind of, well, so mine's not, but it is similar. So we decided to get married two days before we were at the courthouse actually doing it, which is kind of wild. So I called my parents and told them. And they decided to make the trip to L.A. to be there for the ceremony. But other than that, I told all my friends after the fact. But we why? had a party. Yeah. Oh, you did? After. At, at like six months later, though, because we wanted our families to meet. But we did our wedding by ourselves. Are you asking why? why yeah, I was going to say why. I, I, you know, eloping before I got married I was always like, why would someone want to rob their parents and their family and friends of seeing, you know, exchanging vows is so beautiful and so personal that I think. And then you did it. And then I, 
<laughs> and then, you know, we had a kid and she was like four months old. And I was like, who's about to sit here for a year with a newborn on the boob, planning a wedding and spending X amount of dollars? Hell to the no. Me trying to like fit back, fit into a wedding dress. I was like, no, thank you. I'm getting, but I understand. I understood after I experienced it, which is always usually the case. Gotcha. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. So mine is like a totally weird scenario because my husband's Australian. So, you know, Cass married to a Canadian, like they're from a different country. He had been back and forth for years upon years. At this point, we're talking, we've been together for six years. So he was having kind of a hard time coming back into the country. We knew we wanted to get married. So we just thought, you know what, let's just nip this in the butt so we don't have to worry about it in the future. Let's just get married. So we basically did it like a couple weeks before he had to leave the country again. I did mine because I didn't want a wedding. And I might be in the minority as a female or as somebody who actually does love my husband very much. But I just didn't need the pomp and circumstance. Is that is pomp and circumstance only graduation or is it just do we need um, to start looking things up again? No. I didn't need, I... <laughs> I didn't need yes. all of the um, flashiness. I did a bunch of beauty pageants and I've worn a bunch of gowns in my life and I just didn't need to do do the thing. There was there was no vindictive or secrecy or anything. We knew we wanted to get married. I didn't need to do the wedding. We were on, we were in St. Bart's on vacation and it's like, there's not really a better setting than this. So we just went ahead and did it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing if you, if you want to take that time for yourself, I mean, circumstances permitting, but I do think it's kind of beautiful when it's just, it was like me, Rick, me and my husband and a four month old baby. And our witness was like the guy who was just like, happened to be in there, like random signature. And it, we were just like, you know, and we have a photo, me, Rick and sky. And it's cute. It's cute. It's like, I mean, we're in jeans and t-shirts. We left the next day to go out of the country. So it was like, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody has their own story. You know what I mean? And like, whatever your story is, it's beautiful because that's your significant other. And that's who you chose to share your life with and to hell with everybody and all their thoughts about what should and shouldn't be a wedding, which is exactly what Courtney Kardashian just said, which is wild. I don't know if you guys woke up and were like, what the hell yesterday? But all of a sudden there was a story about Courtney and Travis Barker walking down the aisle in front of an Elvis impersonator at a little chapel in Las Vegas right after the Grammys, which Do we was think she's huge. pregnant? Do we know she's pregnant? I know that's been a conversation. You know, there's not that been... that's the only reason that you get married, but just throwing it out there because sometimes it's a factor. You know, there has been pregnancy rumors swirling for months because she did give an interview not too long ago and basically said that she's not done having kids, that her and Travis want their family to grow. And they both have kids with significant others. So since she said that, people have been looking for clues, like stupid stuff on her social, like, ooh, she's eating pasta. Courtney doesn't eat pasta. She's a health freak. Like, oh, she must be having cravings. Little things that, like, her crazy, crazy fans are, like, pinpointing. But there is a video circulating that was taken in the parking lot of the Wynn, which is where they were staying in Vegas, after the wedding. So this is 2.30 in the morning. Courtney looks hammered, you guys. She is, like, she's, like, barely able to stand on her own two feet, in her heels. Like, Travis is, like, helping her out of the car, like, walking her through the casino up to their room. And then she posted behind-the-scenes photos of their 
ceremony today. And she said she had a little bit too much tequila. So I'm leaning with not pregnant. Maybe she's like, I got one last hurrah. If I plan on getting pregnant, I'm going to go for it. I mean, you guys, I I found out I was pregnant after me and my best friend went to a bar to watch the Lakers play. And we had lots of tequila cocktails. And I got home and I threw up, but I never throw up. Even when I have like a stomach of steel and I woke up the next day, took a pregnancy test. So she might have one of those where you're like, I just drank way too much. I'm vomiting. Wait, no, that's not tequila. That is a baby. Baby. I feel like so many people, all of my friends have stories like that. Like, I don't know if I just have a ton of friends who love booze, but everybody is always like, shit, I found out I was pregnant after like one wild night. And I'm like, it happens. The kids turned out fine. You got to live your life. And while I'm not advocating for drinking whilst pregnant, you also can't sit around and wait to get pregnant. And I think that Courtney has been open about, didn't she post something publicly about a fertility doctor? I saw that in the preview for their new Hulu show. It was like running as a preview where she's like, I want to have another baby. Like, And I think when you love, the beautiful thing about love is that you can have kids with someone else, but if you meet your person, no matter what age you are, and you're like, you know what? She was probably done, right? Like, I'm so done having kids. I have three already. I'm done. And met him. And she was like, no, I love you. And I want a piece of you. So I think it's sweet. That is very sweet. Now that you put it that way, that's very sweet. I think you, you just, if you're wanting to have a child, you can't sit around waiting for that to happen. Like you got to live your life. And they always say, I say they, just because this is not specific to anybody. You hear about people that try to get pregnant, try to get pregnant, and they're just so focused. And they're like, I'm not going to go in a hot tub and I'm not going to drink and I'm not going to eat sushi or I'm not going to whatever. And they're very stringent and they have their calendar and they have their methodology and they go to acupuncture. And none of it works until they go, you know what, I guess it's not going to happen. They loosen up, they go live their lives, bam, get pregnant. And I'm not saying that it works that way for everybody. But I think we've all heard that story from a friend or a friend of a friend. It is common. Yeah, I think anytime you're loosened, this goes with anything in life, anytime you're like more loosened up and just kind of going to let life give you what it gives you, good things always happen. I think that's for anything. If you squeeze anything too tight, forget about it. You strangle it. And I think sex is, yeah. And sex is enjoyable. And when you put that stress on sex and and pressure, your body actually goes into, I think, fight or flight mode. It's just like, you're not looking at sex the same way. And when you get super stressed, whether it is mentally, physically, emotionally, some women, it messes up their period. That's because it messes up your cycle. It messes up your hormones. So it's hard when you're that stressed and putting that much pressure on yourself to have everything run smoothly and it's understandable it it happens yeah so we're gonna say that courtney probably got pregnant that night since she was so loose and open and had a little bit too much to drink i'm gonna put money vegas odds vegas let's go with it let's go with it i like that (laughs) well if you do decide to get married in a regular setting and you've got your open bar we're gonna teach you how to make a shitty wedding margarita winnie did you come prepared are you there are you are you going to have some tequila with us this time? I have everything. Nice. All the necessities. Nice. All right, so I'm actually going to pull up some Instagram live so that anybody that wants to see this live tutorial can see how easy it is to instruct your lovely, hardworking wedding bartender to make this very simple but very festive and not super junky cocktail. We're going to make the shitty wedding margarita 
sometimes not so shitty if you end up at a nice open bar with something like Casamigos or Don Julio, etc. at all. But usually at an open bar, understandably so, there are limitations to the bar. And you're usually working with something like salsa, cuero, maybe 1800, meh. And you don't want a bunch of added sugar because open bar equals unlimited drinks, which means you do not want to have a bunch of added sugar or super syrupy things like triple sec or sweet and sour. You don't want all of the junk stuff additions. So three ingredients. Here we go. You're going to need some tequila, either shitty wedding tequila or otherwise. Okay. You're going to need a shaker. Now, I don't have a shaker with me, which I just discovered about 10 minutes before this podcast. So I've got a magic bullet jar, and that's going to have to suffice. Hey, whatever works. Okay, you've got your tequila, which I kind of have pre-measured here. I'm going to say about an ounce and a half is good. Now, if you really want to go for it, you can. But remember, you're at a wedding or you're at an open bar. You're going to need to pace yourself, right? So... Got some ice. You're going to want to shake this over ice. You do want to shake it, not stir it, because there's something about the mixing and the frothing and the, the ice being shaken with it that ends up making it that much better. You're just going to have to trust me if you haven't done it before. So, do we have our shakers? Do we have our ice? Do we have our tequila? Great. So, you're going to measure about an ounce and a half, either with one of these guys or your bartender will usually eye it okay. We're going to pour that into the shaker. And I'm breaking this down so you can see it, so you know how it works. But ultimately, you can rattle this off to any bartender, and they're going to know what to do. Next up, Chambord. This lovely French liqueur is a favorite at wedding bars. Most open bars are going to have this if they're not bottom well. You can look at other liqueurs. Something like Grand Marnier would work. It's not quite as sweet so it changes the profile flavor just a little bit you might want to um, splash it off with some soda if you're using grand marnier there also might be creme de cassis which is a blackberry liqueur so look for that as well but this is a pretty solid option that is at most open bars so we're gonna add about an ounce of that and this is our only sweetener and it is a liqueur so it is a fermented sugar so it's not going to really have exactly the same effect as just a straight agave or simple syrup. Okay, there we go. Lastly, lime juice. I love using fresh limes, and if you ask your bartender nicely, they will squeeze a couple in there, and you can even ask for extra limes on the side if you would like, and you can squeeze them in yourself even after it's shaken. I have my freshly squeezed lime juice here from this lime. Now, not every bartender is going to have the patience for that, especially at the end of the night. So you might find something like this at the bar, which is a no sugar added lime juice. This will get the job done and you just say thank you and move on and let the people behind you get a drink. They're going to shake <laughs> this up. No. It's a wedding. While you're shaking this, make sure you've got a glass with ice. Bonus points for a lime garnish, but up to you. Cherry's on it. Okay. Got it. We're just going to strain this, slash pour this in your cup. And I didn't say how much, but I'd say about an ounce of lime juice. It kind of depends on how tart you want it. But my general guidelines would be ounce and a half of tequila, one ounce of Chambord, one ounce of lime juice, shaken over the rocks. 
and this is what you end up with. If this is too potent, ask your bartender to add some soda and all it's gonna do is give it a little bit of sparkle and sparkling bubbles, it'll be kinda nice. Boom, there you go, you've now got your wedding margarita. Make friends with your bartender, tip them, and if you get them to nail it the first time, you can keep going back to them and you can say, I want my drink, they'll remember you. And then just watch the wedding room fill with pink drinks. <laughs> Let's try it. How you sound like you've, Cheers, you've done this before. Yummy. Mm. You've done this before. That's correct. That is our shitty wedding margarita. For those of you Fantastic. on Instagram, we're going to save this in case you want to come back to it. Um, I will say, ladies, this is my first official shitty wedding margarita, and it is damn delicious. This is fucking Isn't great. It? Isn't it great? And can I say, guys, I mean, we say shitty wedding. This is shitty airplane. You got to piss poor seatmate and i'm sure bring your little shamboard bottles from the airport you know <laughs> bring like them in no for sure yeah. yes oh. and this is shitty baby shower situation also i mean look i love a baby shower a pink drink and i feel like they're not gonna have shamboard it's gonna end up like blue caraco if it's <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. But but this but this drink doesn't discriminate. I feel like it's shitty every party. Shitty everywhere. If anywhere you're at is shitty, just pop it open. Can apply to most situations. It can. Yes. And like I said, Creme de Cassis works well. Grand Marnier or Patron Citronage is also a citrusy citrusy. That is an orange liqueur. I find that with the orange liqueurs, you do need the club soda. Because there's something about the flavor profile, especially depending on the tequila. You don't want to shake the club soda. It'll explode. <laughs> but you can shake the other stuff and then you top it off with soda. And it's just as quick. It's not going to annoy your bartender. And that's a big thing. You don't want to piss off your bartender when you're looking for a specific drink at a wedding. Right. And he's already pissed because he's pouring pissy ass, like, you know, shitty shit. All night. Yeah, and sometimes there's tip jars, sometimes there's not. If it's a fixed rate, you never know. Can we also get into what is the best thing that you have done at an open bar? Because I've done kind of like a poor man's white wine spritzer before. If there's a wine that's too sweet for me, like maybe a Riesling or even a certain types of white blends, etc., I will have some lime, and if they have berries, I'll just have them toss them in and top it off with soda. And that makes it a bit more drinkable to me, so it doesn't feel like you're drinking a super sugary wine. Do you guys have any yeah. open bar tricks? I do. So they usually have mint at open bars, and I always do this, like, mint if they have a Condiment. crappy white. Condiment. Well, no. No, just, like, actual mint. And if they have any, like, a Chardonnay, it works really well with a Chardonnay, I have them muddle the mint in the Chardonnay and I top it off with some sparkling tonic soda, whatever they have. And it's actually like a mojito-y whiny vibe. I've done that. It's actually yeah. very good. I think like the easiest, quickest like fix is just to add soda water to any drink, basically. Like you could add it to, well, I mean, not champagne. I haven't tried that to be honest, but I mean, explosion. most wines, you can make it like a, you know, like a little like, bubbly uh you can do that with most liquors even like what you said the fruit like putting the fruit on top once it like ferment like ferments 
Is that a good word? Ferments into the liquor. I mean, it gives it like a little bit of a sweet taste. So I think that those two things are the quickest, most easy way to make a fix without pissing off the bartender because you want him to be your best friend all night long. Yes. The other one that I do at daytime events sometimes is I'll get some Prosecco or some champagne and I just ask for extra oranges and I squeeze my own orange and it has the mimosa effect. Now, I don't know that I love that at night. Maybe that's conditioning. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I like to put in just two or three squeezes of fresh orange into the champagne. That way you're not overloading on sugar because when you're usually going to these open bars or on airplanes, etc., they're giving you the boxed concentrate, dyed, added sugar, orange juice. At that point, it's like Frank and orange juice. It's not even actually orange juice. Mm, it's just orange. Stuff in it. It's like orange syrup, orange watery syrup stuff. It's not even really orange juice. Whereas if you take an orange and you squeeze it into your beverage, that is orange juice. Yes. And it's yes. better. And honestly, I like, I, I'm more of a spirit forward girl. I'm more of a liquor forward girl. I like to taste what I'm actually drinking. I don't like to trace juice. So if I'm drinking tequila, I want it to taste like tequila. If I'm drinking wine, I need to taste that. So I always just like say limit. If you like to drink, drink the liquor, drink the wine. Don't just drink sugar. Yeah. When you do add all of those processed fruits with, you know, from the carton and stuff like that, like you don't really, you can get hammered drunker too, because you don't, or you can get hammered faster because drunker, hammered drunker. I mean, I've only had two or three sips, but you know, you should trademark that phrase, hammered drunker. (laughs) But you can, like that happens so fast, like stuff, when you drink like liquor with juice, it sneaks up on you. You know what I mean? And then before you know it, you're on the floor. And usually we talk a ton about nutrition here at Team Tequila Talks. Usually the effects you're feeling the next day, a lot of times your body is reacting to the stuff that goes with the alcohol. If you are drinking a high quality alcohol, you shouldn't feel like garbage the next day. Where you get into trouble is when you're adding a bunch of dyes, processed sugars, diluted Uh, juices that have lost all their electrolytes and minerals that are naturally occurring. And so if you're going to somewhere like a bar where that's your only option, honestly, you're just better doing shots of water at that point, because that is where you're going to feel a lot of the after effects for the next day is from all the junk you're putting with your alcohol. It's not the alcohol itself. Not that alcohol is great (laughs) for you, but like we like to say, we're very balanced here at Team Tequila Talks. And if you're going to drink, and live your life, which you should, then drink wisely. Yeah. I always say like, sometimes are you craving a dessert or like a nightcap? Cause I ask my friends, like they get these sugary drinks sometimes. And I'm like, are you craving dessert? Then go have a dessert, but your drinks should not. I'm always like, why waste it on a very nice evening? Your liquor should taste like liquor. I just have an issue with my liquor, like cupcake tequila drinks and you see like raspberry swirl tequila and I'm like no ma'am that is not what I'm here for not I'm at here- all I mean, we've had we've had Casamigos on we've had Avion on I still want to say Avion it's we Avion it's Avion it is see? it is you, you learned something new. I gotta I gotta brush up on my episodes girls had Annie on and uh, she is a rep of Avion and she was absolutely fantastic and wonderful and she schooled us a bunch on all things Avion. 
That said, we did talk a bit on that episode as well as with Cosmicos about how their favorite way to drink it is neat and savor it and learn how to sip it. And we've talked before about putting the tongue to the roof of your mouth and really breathing through the back of your throat so you can savor the flavors. You're not going to always get that opportunity at an open bar. So this is, we're saying, work with this so they're not squeezing simple syrup and supervise them. They're working hard. They're moving fast. They might make mistakes. And you want to make sure that you can say, hey, hey, what's that? What did you just put in my drink? Same as reading the labels. You just want to say, I always approach the bartender and say, three ingredients only. Lime juice, Chambord, tequila, shaken over the rocks. And they go, got it. And I, I think sometimes when you're at weddings, bartenders feel bad because I think they're like, shit, this is all shitty stuff. And so they try to do like to make it taste good to you. They try to like, oh, here's some agave. Here's some extra sweetener. Or I have this straw. I have strawberry something. Yep. I'm a, you're like, no, 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 no. Because I do think bartenders, I've been to plenty of weddings where they, they I feel bad for them because they feel bad for you. You know, yeah. where they're just like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm went to craft school. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, Exactly. Well, you know, one thing that happens when you drink too much at open bars is you got to pee. You apparently, that's not specific to open bars or weddings. It certainly happens to the best of us, including celebrities. It happened to Doja Cat. I know. Did anybody see the Grammy-winning speech by Doja Cat? Of course. Horse. I mean, Doja Cat to me stole the night at the Grammys because I can so relate to her. Like I have to pee at the worst times ever when we're in the car, like on a road trip. My husband's always like, what the hell? We just left the house like 10 minutes ago. Like I'm a child. Like, Hey, I told you to pee before we got in the car and you said you didn't have have to go. So like I could relate to Doja Cat, but I love what she said after the show. So to recap, anybody that didn't watch the Grammys, Doja Cat won with SZA for the best, like, pop duo or something for their song that they collaborated on. Well, she couldn't hold... Which song is it? Can you sing it? I think it's Kiss Me. Donna. Is it Donna, na, 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 That one. Yeah. That one. Yeah, I'm not the singer. We we all know the out of the trio, I am not the singer. <laughs> but, um, so... There's footage of her as they're, like, saying both of the ladies' names. SZA comes up, and she's walking slow because she's on crutches because she's hurt. And nobody's, everybody's like, where's Doja? Where's Doja? And she comes busting through the crowd. She's, like, running at this point. And she, like, yeah, she, like, jumps on the stage. And, I mean, she is a very, like, anybody who's fans of her, like, she is a very enthusiastic. Like, she has a ton of energy anyway. So, like... Not necessarily, like, knowing what was going on. She actually announced to everybody that she was actually in the middle of her biggest pee ever when she was told that she won her first Grammy, right? So she does a whole, like, speech, and she's amazing. She's, like, trying to fix her dress because, you know, you wear under, like, most celebrities wear, like, the you know, spanks and stuff. So she's, like, trying to, like, maneuver around her dress, which she has a super high slit, she was hilarious. Put her hands in front of it like the Adam and Eve leaf almost. And at first, I thought it was a joke. I thought that she was covering up her bits as a like, yes, I just went to the bathroom. But then you look at her and she, you realize that she legitimately was like, oh shit, my, my stuff might be out. Because she is, she goes from 
covering it to almost getting slightly insecure and keeping her hands there. Like my vag might be out on national television. <laughs> I mean, despite what you think of like female rappers, they're just, they don't, she doesn't want her vag to be out, but I want to make this point, Whitney, because I feel like this is what's being overlooked the most. She retired. Okay. On Twitter five days before she won that Grammy, she's going on, going on tour with the weekend and she announced on Twitter, I am done. I'm retiring. I mean, the music industry is hard and she's very successful. And she's like, I quit. This is ridiculous. I miss my family, my friends. And then she wins this Grammy, which is why she kind of got really emotional. I think towards the end, everyone was like, what's going on with her? I'm like, she's retired, but now she just won a Grammy, which pretty much means that's kind of like some real, like what what's the word I'm looking for? Like reinforcement of your career like yeah i feel like hip-hop artists especially not just hip-hop artists all musicians because it is a very taxing industry but specifically hip-hop artists uh, or rap artists tend to retire and then unretire yeah well also too i think that female rap artists like get they get it harder than the male like any but i think like in any industry like women are subjected to a lot more scrutiny, a lot more social media ridicule. And I think that for Doja Cat, like it's just getting, it was just getting to her. And like, she tends to post everything that she's thinking on social media, on TikTok, everything. So I think she just had a moment where she was legit just done. And in her mind, she was probably over it. And then, like you said, like winning a Grammy just reinforces that this is the path you're supposed to be on. Yeah. You don't win Grammys when you're supposed to be retiring. But I do think, you know, that's what kind of blew her up was her openness. And I think it's so interesting that you're allowed to be that open with your fans when you're just on YouTube with your 400 followers or Twitter and, and they are eating it up and then you keep growing that way. And then all of a sudden you reach a certain point and it's like, no, now it's private time. Now it's more curated. And I think she got confused because she's like, I blew up for this, but now everything I say, I get freaking reamed for it. And I've been doing this for five years and everyone loved it. What ha- it's like a mind fuck a little bit like, yeah. The entertainment industry is tough. The arts industry is tough. There's not a ton of industries where something as subjective as art, something as personal as art, you have to present to other people for their approval. You know, when you are in finance or accounting or even hospitality, you're like two plus two equals four and it either does or it doesn't. And when you're dealing with a subjective industry, that is art is really, really hard to be told that your art is wrong or feel like your personal art that you've invested your heart or soul into is not good enough. That's hard and that's taxing. Right. And I always say, um, you know, I know in the art entertainment, you know, people throw out words like they're the elites, they're this, but I do want to say this is a working industry and I've seen it in the music. I've seen it in acting. These people wake up, they learn a craft since they've been however young. They sit in a dark room by themselves like Doja Cat for months through her depression, through her parents, whatever, writing songs that no one's going to ever hear, you think. And then you go online and you start getting noticed. 
it's a lot of work. They're normal people that they're a working class. I know people hate to hear that when you think Hollywood, because you see the final product, right? You don't get to see the labor that went into making a bottle of tequila. You just see the bottle. Right. And I want to, I just want to say like, it's hard. And so when you put, I think it's even harder because most people go to work every day and they have on the work face and they're just getting through the day and they can come home and download and be like, I hate everyone I work with, but Listen to their team tequila talks, get ready for the weekend. Yes. 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 But I feel like people are giving you themselves. I mean, these artists, they give you a, there is no work face. There is like, Mm -hmm. this is my song. So I feel about things. And I feel like it's much more taxing mentally and emotionally and spiritually to be giving so much to yourself uh, to people you don't know we all choose mm-hmm. to share yeah. with our friends we don't just walk into a bar and say hey guys newly divorced how you yeah. doing like oh yeah or maybe or maybe you do or maybe you do <laughs> but like that's the thing with artists too it's like their job their job doesn't stop like you said they don't work in an office they don't go in from nine to five after five don't have to talk to anybody nobody recognizes them they could go to a bar these people are working 24 seven because regardless of what they're going to do after they step out of the studio, somebody's going to recognize them. They have to be on their game 24 seven. And that is so taxing not being able really? to live your life. I, I don't think that uh, Doja Cat's speech was received poorly by anyone. I think we can all relate to when you gotta go, you gotta go. We teach our toddlers that. We learn that in kindergarten as humans, and it's humanizing. I think gone are the days of 1950s Hollywood where you're expected to be perfect all the time. The veil has been lifted thanks to Twitter, thanks to Instagram, thanks to instant news, thanks to media, thanks to the internet. The times have changed, mm-hmm. and I think people are looking for relatability and humanization. They don't need a star to be perfect all the time, and I think that's I think that's actually a very nice shift for the industry. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. I think so. More relatable, as in the Real Housewives of New York. Oh my God, I'm so glad we're touching on this. This is wild. So, I mean, I know that we're Real Housewives fans. I know like Kess. And Kes, you guys gotta fill yeah. me in. I know but we're, we're starting to dip, you're starting to dip your toes in it just by listening, you know what I mean? So this is a wild story. Okay, so everybody knows, maybe last, I believe it was last week, but all of a sudden, Real Housewives of New York Bravo announced that they are actually doing a spinoff and they're only going to feature the the OGs of the Housewife franchise in the Big Apple, right? So they haven't released who exactly is going to be in it. As of yet, there's a lot of speculation. But everybody was like, why are you taking... First of all, the ratings last, last season sucked. They dipped so drastically, like lower than they've ever been. People were constantly ridiculing like every episode. It was wild. There was a couple new people like Ebony. First, she was the first black housewife on the New York housewife franchise. And there was a lot of like racial undertones that were taken with all of these white ladies. It definitely showed a difference in culture. And it caused a lot of issues on social media. Viewers were just not interested in the season. So nobody knew what was going to happen to season 14, which is the upcoming episode. They announced that there's going to be a spinoff. So instead of the, orange, like the OGs, like Ramona, Luann, 
all of those ladies coming back to New York Housewives, they were going to potentially star in kind of like a legacy spinoff, right? So everybody's like, what the hell? Why are we doing this? Ebony comes on a podcast and just freaking rips the veil off all of like the behind the scenes secrets. She basically says that she believes why they are doing the spinoff is because none of the orange or none of the New York originals would actually meet her halfway to discuss how next season should go. They basically did not want her in the next season, which is mind blowing to me. She said the only one for people that follow housewives, she said the only person that was willing to sit down and discuss her future on the housewives was Sonia. She specifically names Ramona, Luann and Leah saying that they wouldn't even consider talking to her about next season. Therefore, Bravo was forced to make the decision to do a separate show to appease them. Right. I, I think um, Ebony. Okay, so me, yeah. Hold on. Uh -huh. As an outsider, I'm going to let you finish, but. <laughs> okay, Kanye. Okay, Kanye. <laughs> I'm just going to say that no one forces anyone to do anything. So I feel like just listening to you say this, being completely unfamiliar with the situation, Bravo could say fuck off. Like they, they, no one forces. I think they're feeding into the drama from an outside perspective. And Sherry, you can just try. You can chime back right. in. I, I, I mean, every season they don't have. You know, like on a TV show, you sign a three-year deal, four-year deal. They're season to season all the housewives. So I think what the other lady ladies wanted was for Ebony to be off the show. And you talking about some like. OG housewives who think the franchise can't survive without them. They banded exactly. together and they said, we won't negotiate unless they fire Ebony. And we do not so, negotiate with terrorists. Exactly. And so then they got the hammer brought down on them, which Bravo being like, no, actually you're all fired. If you don't want to come to the table, look, you, there's no such thing as a non-negotiation. If you want to do something, you put an offer in, you get a response and you go back and forth. I think they shot themselves in the foot thinking they're like Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts by being like, no, I don't want to work with this person at all. And they were like, goodbye, all of you. Goodbye. Yeah. And okay, I, so here's my other outsider's opinion here. There are like 19 housewives franchises and a bunch of knockoffs. Like what Southern Charm is yes. basically like Housewives without being Housewives. Well, okay, it's it's know, different, right. but yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean. There are a bunch of Housewives and franchises and Housewives-like shows. So you're a dime a dozen at this point. This is not 20 years ago with Real Housewives of Orange County. So you don't really have as much bargaining power as you think you do. I do think that it changes, though. Like, people that have watched Housewives, like, for instance, Ramona. Ramona Singer is a huge housewife. She's been around from the beginning. She pulls antics that no one else on television does. Her mannerisms, the way she speaks, her outspokenness is kind of unmatched. So, in a way, Bravo needed to save her job. They, Not that they need her as a whole, but they want her if that makes sense. She's great her. TV. Yes, she's great TV. And I do think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, being a reality star like a housewife is really easy, but you got to kind of be dynamic. And I think, you know, Ebony, look, I think it was a wrong setting 
for Ebony to be in. Look, Upper East Side, we've all been to the Upper East Side. None of us hangs out on the Upper East Side in New York because it's culturally just, if you're young and you're a young family, you're just not going to want to hang out up there. So I think getting this younger housewife who is a lawyer and she's outspoken, she's a commentator, she's a personality already on TV, I think these women are used to being in Palm Beach and being out hanging out with billionaires that it was just too much. It was probably bad casting on Bravo's part to kind of add her into a mix that was so already integrated and they had their own thoughts. And it got, in my opinion, it got too political, too nasty, too much about racial stuff. Like I was like, I do not watch my housewives with my freaking tequila to hear about woes. I want to see just a drama. Yeah. Watch with your shitty wedding margarita, or in this case, shitty at home margarita, don't you watch your shitty TV with your hopefully, hopefully nicer margarita if you have the capabilities at home yes. to check out? You, there's a lot going on out there in the yeah. world. So yeah. many issues and politics, and it can be really heavy. And I yep. think that the reason people watch reality TV or garbage TV is because you want to just escape. There's an element of escapism to it, and you don't want to tune in to watch more politics or more, more like drama in the workplace, which this is their workplace, when you're escaping your own workplace drama. Exactly. You just want to go watch people go nuts. No, yeah, yeah, their own personal problems. We've seen divorces on Housewife. We've seen cheating. We've seen kids. We've seen people lose their jobs in real life. We've seen familial stuff. I just feel like that was just for New York, as diverse as it is. I'm like, these aren't a diverse group of women mentally. And I feel like New York is probably one of the most, most diverse places in America, in, especially in anywhere in Manhattan or in, the Bronx, or in the boroughs. I just think it was just too much. I stopped watching it, and I wasn't surprised they, they didn't shoot the finale. I mean, the reunion, because I was like, who's going to watch this crap? I didn't sign up for this. I honestly stopped watching, too. Like, it got to the point where it was painful to even try to get through an episode. Like, I'd watch... T- maybe 20 minutes and that was pulling my teeth out like come on try and then I was like you know what this is just too much it's heavy it's not what housewives supposed to be about like it was just it was a lot no well on that note we're gonna wrap it up homework for all of you guys that are listening to us go to your next open bar try to find a fun concoction and hit us slide into our DMs. Am I dating myself by saying that or do we still say that? No, no the kids still say it. Uh, yeah, the I think the kids still, still, still that, right? do that. Yeah. Great. So hit <laughs> us in our DMs, slide into our DMs with your favorite open bar recipes and concoctions. We would love to hear it. And maybe and we'll we feature like- one of those on one of our episodes if it's good. Make it yeah. good. Make it interesting. Make it real good. Well, I'm almost done here, but cheers to you guys. Thanks for listening. Cassandra Junimel, Sherry Ann Gonzalez, and our friend Whitney Vasquez over from Radar Online. Like, subscribe, click, do all the things on the internet you're supposed to do when you like something, and we'll see you soon. So painless. I love it.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.